My name is Father Mike Delaney and I'm the parish priest of the Kingston Channel Catholic Parish in the Archdiocese of Hobart. This is my homily for the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today, as our Sundays return to Ordinary Time, we commence a new message series I've called Preparing for Mission. Over these next four weeks, we'll be walking with the disciples as they spend time with Jesus, who is challenging them to move from their position as listeners to becoming fully involved in the mission of spreading the good news. Some time ago, I mentioned that I would like us to have a stated vision for the parish, something that gives purpose to how we would like to be known or seen by others in our community as we live out our Catholic Christian identity. Some comments at the time indicated that I had not been particularly clear in what I was suggesting. In my experience, that's a problem that I frequently encounter. What I was hoping was that by having a simple phrase that people clearly understood, we might then be able to plan so that everyone, or at least most people, might know that when a decision was being made, or when we move in a particular direction, then it's all part of that vision. From my understanding of some of the comments I heard, people thought that it was breaking the message of the gospel down to its lowest component and therefore diluting the, the message. I can assure you that it's the furthest thing from what is intended. This is a suggestion from another parish who use as their vision to love God, love others and make disciples. Their approach is to celebrate their Catholic identity and the liturgy as best they can, to ensure that anyone who enters into their community is valued and respected, and then to reach out to others to introduce them to the Jesus of the Gospel. Not sure that anyone could argue with that, but more than that, their vision impacts how they go about all aspects of their life as a community. A special aspect of their parish life is their awareness that as well as calling people to be involved in various ministries, they also ensure that there is a leadership pipeline to support all of those ministries moving into the future. Some people might think that this sounds like modern business practice, but we only need to look to our first reading today to understand that a leadership pipeline is also very biblical. As we listen to our reading from the first book of Kings, we heard the Lord instruct Elijah, Go, you are to anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel Maloah, as prophet to succeed you. The remainder of the passage tells us how Elisha is at first hesitant to follow Elijah immediately. But after offering sacrifice, he leaves everything behind and followed Elijah and became his ser servant. Shortly after Elijah passes into the next life, Elisha begins his ministry and speaks powerfully amongst the chosen people. Just as Elisha followed Elijah, as we come to the Gospel, we once again hear Jesus make the call to those who came to him. Follow me, he says. In his book, Jesus of Nazareth, theologian Father Gerhard Lofink comments that there is no New Testament noun for followers of Jesus. The word disciple simply means a student. 
The word follow occurs 80 times in the New Testament, but it's never once used as a noun. There is no dogma, rule or right that makes one a follower. Follower, following is not a status, but an activity. Now we see this particularly in our gospel today. We hear how Jesus resolutely took the road for Jerusalem, and he set out to prepare people for his message. He sent messengers ahead of him. As these head out on mission, they arrive firstly at a Samaritan village where they're not accepted. The disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, want to destroy the village. But contrary to some traditions, Jesus and his father are not in the business of obliterating unbelievers and evildoers. He actually rebukes the disciples and then encourages them to leave and they go to another village. As the passage continues, we see that there are some people who want to follow Jesus. But, they seem to place conditions that need to be completed before they're ready to leave everything to follow him. To the first, Jesus offers the challenge of being virtually homeless and to rely on the charity of others. To the second, he calls him to leave the dead to bury the dead, so that he's free to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. To the third, he says that he must leave the past behind, so that he can focus on what is ahead. We don't know if any of these people actually did follow Jesus, but his challenge is just as real for us today as it was to these people. For those who struggle to accept Jesus' invitation aren't always put off by the threats of hardship. It seems that for most of us, it's actually a question of motivation. When we act like the first of those invited, we avoid the urgency of following Jesus. Whether it's a question of making a life choice or deciding when to dedicate time to prayer, we keep putting it off, forgetting that, as a popular saying suggests, not to decide is to decide not to. We might even recognise ourselves in the person who kept looking back whenever our comfort with the familiar or fear of being wrong prevents us from venturing out in risky hope. Disciples will surely make mistakes, but by far the biggest mistake is to become stagnant. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul reminded his friends that the love that leads to following Jesus is a free response to God's love. Those who left their, behind their nets and boats, like Elisha who used the tools of his trade to throw a farewell feast, were so captivated by Jesus' offering that they kept following him and kept learning. Love alone frees us to follow Christ. When that love captivates us, danger, uncertainty and the lure of the past lose their power. We must not forget that while Jesus said he had no place to lay his head, he also said that those who leave home for him and the gospel will find themselves enjoying hundreds of homes. So in one sense we might ask ourselves the question, who in their right mind would follow Jesus now? The answer lies in the radical lifestyle of the missionary disciple. They're the people who allow themselves to be loved and captivated by his vision, so that they decide nothing else could matter 
nearly as much.